Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another album review. This is the first album that I'll be tackling by the artist Debbie Gibson. And uh, so I start, you know, with the first one, because why wouldn't I do that? Uh, I like doing things in order. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, difficult when I have a bunch of albums I want to do uh, from a band and I'm trying to schedule like guests and all that. I'm like, you know what, I'm getting through a lot, but this is kind of backing up a little bit. So sometimes I'll jump ahead and do one or maybe related to a release or something that's going on. But for the most part, I want to try and reasonably stay in order of the releases and have that, you know, chronology in the show as well. Um, but in the end, I don't really care. I'm going to review it all. Uh, but I thought I'd start with the first one, Out of the Blue. Now, this is a collection of 10 songs that Debbie wrote at the age of 16 years old that would go on to receive a triple platinum album status. That's over 5 million copies sold worldwide. I believe uh, over 3 million of that was just in the U.S. alone, which kind of makes sense because, uh, you know, it's American pop. So it, it would, you know, kind of make sense that that would have a high amount of sales here in the States. But, you know, here's the thing, guys. I remember um, when she went on Regis and Kathy Lee, I think she was promoting the album Everything is Possible. And she was talking about that she had a, uh, I believe it was a 16-track demo studio in her bedroom and then a full recording studio in the garage, which, you know, I don't know how many 30-year-olds or 40- or 50-year-olds have that. So one thing that that was nice for her was that she definitely had support. Her parents uh, were in the entertainment industry. They could help her navigate. I don't know what she got in the help of songwriting itself. I don't know how much of this was, you know, 100% her creation, her working with um, a producer saying, okay, I like your ideas. Here's what we're going to do with them. So I don't know how much of this is her versus the support that she had. And either way, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, bands like Deep Purple work with a producer that say, okay, you're going to do this part in A flat and not D. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think we have in general a, a conception that the artist is the one that makes the final product. And that's really in a lot of cases, at least with the things that get, you know, national or worldwide attention, probably not very often the case. Um, you know, even the Beatles had a producer. So nothing wrong with that at all. And, and, you know, honestly, the Beatles producer was very, very influential in how the final sound of their music was saying, um, we're going to add an orchestra to this, <laughs> you know. Um, so it wasn't like the Beatles themselves were the only part of that songwriting team. So I don't know how much of this was was her idea, but it, but thinking about regardless of how much support she had. To think about at the age of 16 to write your first album that ends up going triple platinum, I mean, that's pretty damn amazing, right? Um, what I feel, I'll just give you an overview, because uh, I know the her first four albums I know very, very well, and those are the ones I'll, I'll definitely be covering throughout the course of the show. Um, I don't know how many I'll cover beyond that because I'm not familiar with them. I know she did a Christmas album. I know she did, um, I think, one or two more studio albums. I'm not sure. But um, I definitely feel a sense of youth in these songs. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. She's 16. I'm trying to think back to, you know, what where I was at 16 years old. Now, we had moved to Colorado, um, hadn't lived there for very long because my birthday is in the summer. And we moved there in the middle of April um, when I was 15. So I was just about to turn 16. So my world had completely changed. Um, all the friends that I grew up with were gone, um, meeting whole new sets of people, not really knowing how to navigate a completely different culture than the one that I grew up in. So it was a, it was a really weird time for me. But one thing I remember 
um, was thinking I knew everything. <laughs> right? How many of uh, how many of us at sixteen were smart enough to admit that we didn't know everything? Very few of us. Um, I like to think that even back then, I was smart enough to watch what other people were doing right and wrong and learning from that more so than learning from my own mistakes. I would like to think that. I don't know if that's true. Um, I know that later on in life, that became kind of a theme for me for a while. Uh, that I started making my own mistakes because I couldn't find anybody that was to watch that was doing what I was doing. It really became kind of a, a solo effort through life. But um, yeah, I mean, we thought we knew what love was. Uh, the person that we had a the slightest of crushes on was the greatest love in all of history. I mean, it was it was we were living in the movie somewhere in time, right? Um, everything was just so much more epic than it really was. And the funny thing is, when you got a little further on and you got into another crush or another relationship, it was like, yeah, I really remember feeling something for that person, but I don't remember what it was. I just remember it was really intense, but I don't really feel that way anymore. So how could I have ever felt that way? It, it was such a, a weird thing. And then, you know, at some point you're, you kind of get it, but fuck, not when you're 16 years old. Absolutely not. But we thought we did. And I I was writing lyrics, um, I, I want to say, as early as maybe 14 years old. I'm sure they were crap, but I was writing them anyway. Anyway, it was great practice. It was a great exercise. By 16, I think I had a pretty decent grip on like the general flow of lyrics, how to do proper verses and choruses, uh, when to rhyme, when it was okay to kind of get away from that that rhyming process that's so popular in... in um, you know, in just like regular music that, that would be played on the radio, it's typically got some sort of rhyming scheme to it. Um, yeah, it's it was it was definitely an interesting time for me. Um, I think partially because of the timing of our move from the town I grew up in, just outside of Detroit in Mount Clemens to Colorado Springs, Colorado, which, like I said, was completely different uh, culture, all, uh, really uh, college prep type stuff. So very different from what I was used to. So I had a lot to navigate at that time in my life. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really weird. But you think you know everything. So when, when I'm listening back to this album, it really kind of encapsulates that youth, right? Um, made me remember, it makes me remember what it was like to be that young, feel like I wanted to hurry up and get out of school because I already knew everything. I knew how to survive. I knew how to do this. I was smart. And you know, could figure out the world and just let's just get school over with because this is kind of a waste of my time. And, and you know, to some extent, I still feel like it was, but um, in other extents, not. I mean, from the, the social side of it was was definitely beneficial. Um, cultivating relationships, learning how to navigate different personalities, learning how to work with people who are also going through a lot of uh, growth in different areas, whether they realized it or not. And relationships and, you know, getting out and getting your, your first car and having some element of freedom and all, just all kinds of things that are going on in our youth. So I hear all of that in this album. And while I do feel that a lot in these songs, while they're very, very well constructed, I do feel there's that innocence in, in them that I, I'm feeling everything passionately because it's the first time I'm feeling something or I've only experienced this very little so it's very intense because it's still new. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it it brings me back to some of the first songs that I wrote where I could hear that same thing in my songwriting, both lyrically and musically. 
Um, fortunately for her, she had uh, some advantages. She had some people that were in the business, probably some musical connections that uh, that could guide her as well and help her maybe hone down her sound, uh, if nothing else. But the album is beautifully mixed. Um, we'll get into that as we get into to the songs here in a second. But um, I definitely feel this is a very youthful album, but in a way, it's also a very advanced album because I don't think a lot of 16-year-olds were writing music that was this cohesive at that time. I look at some of my friends, you know, in, in bands that I played in in Colorado Springs, and I look at bands like Least Majesty or Salem Spade, who were very, very progressive bands writing incredibly intelligent stuff at very young ages. Um, really amazing to me to think about where that came from, how hard we all worked at our instruments, you know, me on drums playing as much as possible. Um, and, and when I wasn't on the drum set, I was, you know, practicing on on the bed with a couple of drumsticks hitting a pillow or, you know, on a drum pad or whatever, just like always, always coming up with rhythms and working on my timing and, and tempos and all that. Um, it's It's a tough craft. But if you if you love it enough, even in those times where you're like, God, I'm, I just really need a break from this or whatever, you got to push through. You got to keep at it. You got to get your time in because that's the only way you're going to get good at it. And the same goes for songwriting. You know, you're going to write a lot of songs that are probably crap just because you need the experience of writing it. You need to learn to do transitions. You need to learn what works uh, following the thing that you did last, what is really different or unique that you can use that doesn't sound like it should work, but it does. Or maybe it doesn't, and you want that shock change, you know? Um, So I really feel like she was very much on top of things. I have to think that there was some element of uh, heavy producer involvement or something to refine the songs before the release. But even at 16, to get an album released on Atlantic Records, I mean, Jesus, that's ridiculous. You know, it wasn't like the 60s where they would sign just anybody that they thought they could make money off of. You know, by the 80s, they were tightening their belts a little bit. Things were starting to get a little bit more corporate. And um, just a miracle she even got that contract, let alone how well this album did. So absolute kudos to you, Debbie. Uh, Let's get into the songs. The first one that we're going to get to. And by the way, I I think I mentioned this was 1987 that this album came out. So our first song is the title track, Out of the Blue. This song is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I feel like it's very much, I think I understand what love is, but I really am not going to get it for like two or three years. Um, And that's just the nature of the age. You know, nothing wrong with that. Um, I think the song is good, though. Um, It's it's very straightforward. There's some nice little fill-ins here and there that we get, but there's not, um, it's also youthful songwriting in in the, the way of the music. 
Um, there's definitely some interesting sounds that we hear, but it sounds like the overall sound of it is a little bit thin. There's not a lot of bottom end apart from the bass. There's no other like low synth or a pad or anything to really thicken up the sound, which I think it could use. Um, and I'm not saying these things to be mean. Again, she was 16 years old. But when I think about what she would go on to do a couple albums later on, uh, you know, Anything Is Possible or, or her fourth album, uh, Mind, Body, Soul, really thick, lush, full sounding songs. So these really do seem very youthful. Um, nothing wrong with them. But even like going from the verse into the chorus, not a whole lot of difference musically. There's a, a, a shift in the vocals, a, a slight bit in the instruments, but it really feels like uh, one long progression. Um, not a bad song. Not not one of my favorites on the album, um, but that's okay. There's a couple that I absolutely adore on this album. And for me, a lot of songs that are um, filler only because I see a lot of potential in the development that she wouldn't have had yet. But as a more experienced songwriter, if she were to write these songs, if this would have been her, her third or fourth album, it would be a completely different album. You know, if she had these song ideas and developed them at age... 18 or 19, say, um, the production would have been different. What we get delivered in the way of music might have been based on the same concept, but would have been much bigger in the sound of production and intensity and, you know, sounds that were added and things like that. So this is a, that's why I feel like it's such a useful album. But the one, the one complaint that I do have about the album is that it really is missing that bottom end. It just needs that, that one more thing to thicken it up and uh, and really deliver a more sonic um, experience, I guess would be the word that I'm looking for. But a, a very well-written and constructed song, nonetheless, a great performance on it. I definitely feel, from her vocals, I definitely feel a, uh, a passion coming from her. And, and again, I'm just like trying to get in the mindset of, okay, when I was 16 and I thought I knew everything about love, um, that would be where I would be coming from too. So I definitely identify with that side of things if I'm remembering correctly what it's like to be 16. And I think I'm, you know, reasonably close. A lot of those uh, events and, and years just uh, blur together. But um, yeah, good job. Good job. So our second song um, is called Staying Together. I really like this song. Um, first of all, killer bass line all the way through it. Um, really in motion, but uh, again, uh, kind of missing that bottom end. We do get a pad during the verse, though, uh, that's very gentle, but it, 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 does, and it doesn't have to be anything prominent in the mix. It has to just be something to just fill those open gaps a little bit. And there is a nice pad that she plays during the verse that uh, that does that. But it's a very energetic song. A um, lot of uh, just accents, which I like. 
but the uh, the chorus kind of goes into an interesting part towards the end, as it um, is as you really kind of feel more and more passion coming through in the 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 plea of you know we've got to make this work we've we're going to make this work no matter what kind of thing, and um, yeah I, I really dig it I think it's got a great ending very powerful um, very well constructed song and I definitely feel this is a much more full sounding song than out of the blue. So it's like, yeah, she gets it. She she knows what's possible in a song. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I'm a fan of this one. Um, the next song is, uh, you know, one of her hits, one a lot of people would know, and one that I have a little bit of an interesting story to tell you uh, from myself, which I'll get into after we listen to the clip. Here's Only In My Dreams. When she comes in for the uh, the final series of choruses, um, she actually has the the bass hitting uh, on the bass and also the snare. So it's adding a really intense element to it. Even that one subtle change sometimes can make a difference. And there you go, adding low end, but also adding uh, some more punch to that snare. And it kind of drives. You feel that in your chest a little bit more. And I know that there were some remix versions of this that uh, really emphasize that. Um, but yeah, this is a great song. Um, really a passionate thing. You, you feel that, um, that loss, that sense of longing, uh, wish it could be different, but it's done, you know, with the percussion, it's, it's almost kind of, uh, exciting and jovial. Like I feel possibility in it as much as I feel the crushing defeat. I feel like it's going to be okay because musically it's like so happy with the percussion and all that stuff and the, the backing vocals. Um, kind of an interesting thing. I don't think I looked at it that way or realized I looked at it that way until right now. So this was a huge hit for her. Um, but the interesting story that relates to me is when I was getting a set of songs together to go play, I was going to try and do a bunch of coffee houses. We had some uh, cool places in Colorado Springs that were like, you know, individually owned, not the Starbucks chains. In fact, I don't know. If, I don't think Starbucks even existed yet in, in the time frame I'm thinking um, at least not known to me. We didn't have chain coffee houses except for Dunkin' Donuts, um, which we didn't have in Colorado Springs. But in any case, uh, so I was putting together a set list. I was trying to get like 60 songs together that I would just be able to, you know, perform in any order, whatever I wanted to do. I'd maybe put a list out of songs I had and let people request and go from there. Um, didn't never really worked out uh, because I was not good at programming other people's songs. I was really good at writing my own, but not um, recreating other people's. So I thought this would be a fun song to do because it's kind of, you know, upbeat and danceable. And um, <laughs> I thought I knew the song well enough that I would do it from memory. 
Let me tell you, I did not know the song well enough to do it from memory, but what I laid down into the sequencer, I listened back to, I'm like, yeah, this is nothing like that song, but I really like what I've got. And I ended up writing an entire other song around it. This was on my, my second album, The Dream. Um, I will re, uh, rework and re-release this at some point. But just to give you an idea of how far off I was, I'll play a little clip of it. The song is called They Are Coming. So anyway, it, it was uh, it kind of had the same spirit, but definitely not even close to the actual song. And that's what happens when you do things from memory. I, t- I think I didn't even listen to it. I thought I just knew it well enough to jump in and start recording. And uh, clearly I was not even close. And um, well, I got a song out of it, though. So uh, that worked. And it's one I, I rather enjoy. So uh, anyway, our next song, getting back to Debbie Gibson, another big hit off of this. Uh, I remember the video. I can picture her in the hat sitting at the table. Um, really melancholy song called Foolish Beat. Yeah, musically, this is fantastic. It's really got a much richer sound. That bass goes deeper. Um, It sounds to me more like it was played by a person, whereas the other songs seem like they were programmed bass, um, which we were certainly capable of uh, in in the mid to late 80s doing MIDI programming. Um, It it does sound, it it does have a really good sound to it, though. But the even the music without the vocals, that music just has a sad feel to it. You know, you've got a, a couple of little, you know, chirpy mid and upper uh, upper mid range sounds, but for the most part, it's really melancholy and sad. And I I love that line. I could never love again the way I loved you because again, sixteen years old, your first crush, it doesn't work out. It is the most devastating thing on the planet. the The moon could get sucked up into a black hole that appears out of nowhere. And that would be anywhere near as sad as that first crush not working out because you were in love. You know everything about love now. And um, it's uh, it's the most ugly, beautiful thing that will ever exist in time and space. So I get where she's coming from. You know, um, it's it's a tough subject. But the, the thing is, is that this song holds up. 
you know, whether you're an adult, whether you've experienced love a, a lot or a little bit or had like one like great 20 year marriage or whatever, wherever you're coming from, I think this song holds up very, very well to any sense of loss. You could even, I mean, if you wanted to take it a little further, you could probably even feel the same way about like uh, a pet or a friend or something um, other than uh, romantic interest, although it really is geared towards that. I think the feeling, that sense of loss could apply to a lot of different things. So this, to me, uh, even to this day, one of her best songs. And uh, there's a lot of songs that, that we'll cover over the next three albums that I really do enjoy. But I have to say, this one um, is very, very powerful. Absolutely powerful. Um, that brings us to our next song, which is called Red Hot. Yeah, for me, this is one I've never really liked. Um, I tend to uh, skip it if I'm listening to uh, my iPod or back when I was listening on CD. When I had this on cassette only, um, I would listen to it because I would listen to the whole album. So it was like, okay, well, I'll play it. But it was never one that I was excited about. Um, the title already for me uh, is a turnoff. Um, I don't know what it is about the title, but it just sounds like it's going to be a silly song. Um, and then it, it just, I don't know, this one's extremely youthful sounding to me. Um, musically, it's okay, but it's kind of like, um, I can do this, so I'm going to put it in a song. And I, I think the idea was good. I like some of the stuff musically. Um, in fact, the, the the pingy sounds that come in during the verse, I think, are really nice. They sound a little bit warbled, and uh, maybe that's just the way that they sound in combination with the other sounds. But um, it, it's a really interesting tone. And, and I like that. I like some of the development. Um, it goes into a part where it's just like the beat and her singing the chorus, you know, red hot, red hot. And I don't know, it, it's even back then, I think we were kind of over that 70s sort of um, or 60s sort of thing. Um, yeah, not not a favorite, nothing wrong with it. Um, it's got some good points for sure, but not uh, not a favorite for me. So let's move on to our next song. This is song six. It's called Wake Up to Love.
Have you guys seen that video of the girl that's standing in front of the mirror and she's got two-tone hair, like uh, black and red, if I remember right. And she's just there, you know, hey, wake up. It's time to get up. And then uh, she just turns into like full-on metal. Wake up! You know, just amazing transition. I love that. Be a great alarm clock. In fact, they should really license that to uh to be an alarm clock or maybe you can put that as a, as a tone on your phone for your clock to uh wake you up uh anyway that's what the title reminded me of but um yeah this is another song that for me is very much filler um i i wonder how long back in 86 or maybe she wrote it in 85 but i wonder how long it took to program just that little percussive part with the you know the hit and then the fade in um it's so easy to do now, but I wonder how laborious it was back in, in those days when you had to really work a lot more with implementation charts and things like that than you do now. Um, I didn't really start working with MIDI until the early 90s. I want to say it was like 93 when I got my Korg X3 sequencer. So that was that would really be the first time that I was working with MIDI and, and mostly MIDI at that time. A lot of it was in the background. You could do all the recording and not have to do a whole lot of programming. Um, you could record like a, a volume slide uh, for, and, and it would just record all that as MIDI data for you. So I feel like I started getting into it when it was a little bit more advanced. I'll have to check with Jeff Rona on that and see what the timeline is. But in any case, um, yeah, it's just kind of a filler track for me. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly special about it. It's just kind of there. Um, I, I like the mix on it. I think overall, like it, it sounds full, like it, it's it's well constructed as far as the uh, the depth of it goes. But uh, in general, yeah, I don't really think there's anything special about this track. So, uh, you know, a couple in a row that were kind of meh. But let's get into something a little bit uh, more exciting. This next song is called Shake Your Love. I'm sure, that was taken out of context very often. This one's pretty good. It's got some cool percussion in it that I really like. Um, that overcompressed snare kind of drives me nuts a little bit as both an audio engineer and a drummer. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a, a cool part that comes uh, a little bit later on in the song that's a bit of a breakdown. But she, you know, she she does like little vocal chunks of the chorus in it, which I don't really care for. Musically, it's really cool. If she would have put in uh, maybe another instrument instead of those vocals, I think I'd like it even more, but it's not bad. It, it's a nice change. At least the, it breaks up the song a little bit, um, but it's got a good vibe to it. A, a really good feeling. I like the tempo. Um, definitely a, a, a good vocal. I mean, she definitely learned to sing with more passion as she went on, 
But for her age um, and, and just for what this album is, I think she sings very well on it. It's just a little more straightforward, you know, than, than it could have been. But she shows she's got the chops on songs like Only in My Dreams and Foolish Beat, where you get the contrast of the, the happier uh, tone and, and then the more melancholy. She definitely has the chops. They're there. Um, but in these more middle of the road pop songs, um, I, I think she's got a dynamic that would grow over time that we're not quite seeing on these songs. But since I've seen it down the road, I, I know she eventually gets there at least. So there's a little bit of hope. Our next song is called Fallen Angel. I really love the dark edge that this song has. There's just something about it that feels like it could be like in an 80s horror movie. I mean, the song definitely suffers from 80s production. Just listening to that, um, the keyboard arpeggio in the beginning, um, the the idea behind it is great. The sound she picked for it is great. But there's something about the the EQ that just has that that 80s sound to it that sometimes works and sometimes really makes things feel overproduced. Um, love the drums. I don't mind that that kick drum and the snare sound a, a bit overcompressed. I think it works for this song. Um, the bass is great. And there's just that, that breathy pad sound that just gives it that, that edge. Um, I think it's a great tempo. Uh, when we get into the verse, it gets a little bit more poppy, but going into the ending uh, of the song, especially in the middle section, um, it, it really brings that dark edge back that we feel from the beginning. But I love the bass and drums combination on this one. Um, very, very well written, very creative. Um, I, I would love to hear her redo this song in a much more cinematic or gothic kind of uh, fashion. I think you could really bring something even more special out in this song if you were to do that. Um, might not ever happen, probably won't ever happen, but I think uh, I think you, you could really yield something pretty amazing if you did that. Um, I would say maybe I'll do it one day, but I know I never will. <laughs> so that brings us down to our last couple of songs. This one's called Play the Field, and it is not a baseball song or sports ball of any kind.
There are a couple things I can say are consistently impressive through this whole album. Percussion and bass lines. She's very good at both of those. She's a big fan of brass too. On this one, we get an actual guitar solo, which is nice, very flanged out, but it's a, a really nice guitar solo. Um, this one also has a little bit of an edge to it. Not quite as much as Fallen Angel, but definitely has a little bit of darkness in it as well. Um, it's an interesting topic because so much of this album is dedicated to that one-on-one -on -one relationship. And here it's more like, you know what, there's a lot of people out there. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of look around a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of a contrast in, uh, in element of story, but this isn't a concept album. These songs are all individual songs that are put together as a collection on this album. Um, I'm, I get so used to listening to more thematic, uh, albums, so it's, uh, hard to get out of that mode sometimes. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool song. Um, I, I really dig the solo in it. I think it's, it's really nice to hear some guitar. It really livens it up because so much of this is programmed. And uh, adds a little bit of uh, uh, just reality that there's players on it, as opposed to the uh, the more technical sounding side of it. And um, it's good vocal, too. Um, I, I really feel that she's invested in the story that she's telling here. And that's um, very important because a lot of times it's, you know, you hear so many singers sing well, they sing the notes just fine. But when you think about what they're singing about, you're like, yeah, I don't think you even believe what you're talking about. But I have to say consistently on this album, I feel that she's very into every song as she's recording it, which um, is probably one of the reasons I really like her as an artist. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy all the songs or appreciate the theme of all the songs, but I have to say, I do feel there is, even with all the programming, I do feel there is a genuine side to her writing. Like she's really telling the stories, whether they're real or from her imagination. I feel that they're they're really coming from her and they're not like, oh, if I wrote a song about this, I can get it on the radio that I feel from so many artists, especially nowadays, so much of what what little I hear, um, it, it just sounds so geared up to be on a playlist now. You know, we have to have this element. We have to do this. We have to sing about that, whatever it is. It just feels like this is how we're going to break through. And if you think about like, you know, the late 60s with bands doing a lot of covers to get noticed and, and you know, so that they could start slipping in more and more originals and eventually become an originals band, um, which a lot of bands did live too. But, uh, you know, so much of that, you're like, that's just the way that people broke through. And I feel like that's what that's what the today thing is, right? It's It's writing songs that sound commercially pleasing to get on the radio or to get on a playlist or, or you know, to sell an album. And I don't feel like the songs are necessarily honest and, and natural. And it's not the programming that does it for me. I'm OK with that. It's it's more just the overall production of the song. Do I believe the singer? Do I feel the the music? And having a guitar solo in a song like this really makes me feel like, yeah, this is not so much programmed as it is live, even though I know a lot of it's programmed. Um, you can hear it in the drums and the bass. But um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that makes sense because it's it's a really important point to me. There's there's people that write for like that, almost like corporate, you know, they're like, here's how a, a music business works. And so we're going to produce to make our music business successful, as opposed to an artist that's like, this is what I'm feeling. 
I'm going to throw these elements in so that it will help the song, but it's more about, I feel this is a song that's coming from the heart instead of the brain or the pocketbook. I mean, everything comes a little bit from the brain, but, um, you know, there's a big difference that people writing from passion and writing from, uh, you know, uh, statistical sides of things or, or current trends or whatever. So uh, that brings us to our final song on this album. This is called Between the Lines. The other thing that's very consistent through a good majority of this album and her music in general is brass. She definitely does love writing for brass. Um, I would imagine this was a live brass player on the album. It seems like she would have done that um, for the solos and the fill-ins and stuff. You know, again, you can have a lot of program stuff, but you throw a couple of live player tracks on there um, and stuff that maybe doesn't line up exactly to the beat and it feels more human. It really makes those programming tracks feel less programmed because you're, you know, that there's some actual human being, uh, doing some stuff on here. The, uh, there's a, a beautiful, almost gospel sounding choir, uh, to, to this song, which I really like where it loses me actually is in the end. Um, it ends fine for, you know, for, for a pop album, I guess. Um, it ends a little bit with the gospel choir and, and her singing the title a cappella at the very end. And that's fine. It, it's a fine ending to the song. But here's where it loses me is it doesn't make me want to start the album over. It makes me go, OK, I've listened to that album. I enjoyed it. What's next? And to me, the key to ending an album is ending it in a way that makes you immediately want to start that album over. And I think there's some other songs. I think if... um if uh, maybe Play the Field or uh, Staying Together would have been the last song, I think I probably would have felt that way. I'd be like, all right, you know what? This was fun. I want to I want to experience this this roller coaster again and would have, um, you know, flipped the tape back over or, you know, hit repeat on the CD or whatever. Um, I don't get that with this song. And and that's kind of the downer for me uh, for the way that the album ends. Um, I'll I'll have to really pay attention to that when I review the other albums, because I honestly don't remember how uh, how they ended, if they made me feel that way. I'm pretty sure Mind, Body, and Soul uh, did end with me wanting to hear it again. Um, but I'll, I'll find out when I go through it, because I, I honestly don't remember for sure off the top of my head. And I've got these songs in my head right now. But this is a good album overall. I mean, you know, for a, for a debut album to hit triple platinum, songs you're writing at 16 years old when you really don't know jack shit about the world, but you think you do, and uh, I'm not calling Debbie Gibson out on that. I mean, that's everybody who's 16 years old, um, you know, especially here in the States. Anyway, I can't really speak for what other cultures are like, because that time in their life might hit at different ages um, based on different cultures. But I can say 
16 in the United States, that's, yeah, that's that's a pretty wild and, and confusing uh, and arrogant time. Because like I said, you know, it's uh, it's when you're starting to push back more against your parents, when you think you should have more freedoms than you really should, because you aren't always making good decisions at 16. Um, you get your license, you can you can start getting certain freedoms if you, you know, get a car or whatever. But um, you're really not there yet. You're, you're really not. You're not even out of school yet. You still got a couple years to go. And uh, even though I have huge issues with the education system in this country, as far as really preparing you for the world, um, you definitely need at least that two years before you, you know, from where you're at at 16 to where you're going to be at at 18 when you graduate or hopefully 18 when you graduate, um, worlds apart, honestly, worlds apart. So great album, though. I mean, congratulations. Triple Platinum, your first album out. You got a contract with Atlantic. Um, really good deal. Really good deal. And of course, you know, I, I don't know what the contract was. If it was just a one album deal and let's see how she does. Or there's something we see in this girl. Let's uh, let's lock her into a couple albums before somebody else snaps her up or, or the sales came and they immediately got her into another contract. I have no idea. But I would say if they were, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a one album contract because she's a complete unknown, uh, very young. This could be a complete hit or miss album, regardless of how good the songs are. Um, people find out she's 16 and maybe they're just going to blow her off right there and not give her a chance because she's too young to be writing songs. But God, look at Michael Jackson and what he did when he was a kid with the Jackson 5. And, you know, he did some of that writing. So I don't know. There's, there's, to me, I really try not to judge anything but the art itself. I don't care what bands people were in before they joined a project. That has nothing to do with how they're going to play in that project. It's how they're going to work with the other musicians, how they're going to work with the producer, with what the goal of the project is, whether they're a, you know, a heavy rock musician going and playing on a pop album, for example, or um, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it's it really nothing should be judged or preconceived by anything. It should be like, what is the product? What are they giving us musically? Let's just take that. You can say, hey, I really like this bass player. I heard he's playing on this album. I'm excited to hear what they do on it, or, or I'm curious to see how they're going to meld in this other style. And that's fine. But to judge it and say, well, he doesn't do rap, so he's not going to be good in this or, or whatever. Um, you're just cheating yourself out of a potential really enjoyable project because you're already saying it's not going to work. So honestly, be interested, be intrigued, be curious, and check it out with an open mind. That's the best way to uh, experience art is with an open mind. So I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, these little clips of the songs. Uh, if you don't already own the album, go grab it. It is readily available everywhere. I actually have a copy of it on vinyl from Atlantic, which is really nice. Um, cover was in really good shape, too. I saw one on eBay. It was like $6, and it the, the bottom half of it looked like it had been dipped in a fish tank. It just all warped. And then there was another one where, you know, there were just tears all over the front cover, and they were wanting like $10. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I don't necessarily think everything I own has to be pristine. I don't mind buying used things, especially, you know, if you want the the original vinyl when vinyl was recorded and, you know, in analog and originally and all that. Um, but, you know, if I'm if I'm going to put my money into it, it's it, I, I want it to at least be, you know, somewhat nice. And, you know, asking to to get ten dollars out of a cover that's just completely torn to shreds. And I think they had even listed the cover as good condition, which really 
just surprised me. I mean, I, I, I would say um, poor would be kind in that case. Uh, so anyway, go check the album out. It is available everywhere. CD, download, iTunes, Amazon. I've got links in the show notes as always. And a link to Debbie's site in case you want to uh, check that out as well. She actually lives about a half hour from me uh, across town and uh, never run into her. I've reached out to her a couple of times. Uh, unfortunately, never heard back. But that's life. Reach out to a lot of people that um, I've tried to get on for interviews and haven't heard back from. But you know what? The show's got years to go. So who knows what will happen between now and the end of the show? Um, could be anything. As, as you guys have seen with the random interviews that I do with different artists uh, for different projects and things that they're promoting. So anyway, have a great week, guys. We will see you next week with another review of something or other. Maybe an interview in between. Who knows? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>